Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Check this out. Illinois has recreational cannabis, right? What if you want to feel real good without getting high? And how about ordering it online and getting it right to your door? Well, there's this company, Mineral. They do whole plant hemp oil formulations. It's like CBD, but it's more than CBD. Mineral grows the hemp in Colorado. They formulate the product in Colorado, and they create these organic all-plant formulations for anxiety, stress, inflammation, post-at-home workout, and get this, the sleep one. It's fantastic. So what makes them unique is they actually blend these plant components together, things that the body has, like fats and vitamins that actually increase the absorption and effectiveness. So you actually get to feel the benefit of these formulations, truly. The guy who founded the company, Mills is his name. He's coming on the show next week, and you're going to hear his story. He was in Peru. They tried to take out his colon, but he used cannabis oil to recover instead. I know, it sounds trippy, but wait till you hear his story. It's mineral. It's a beautiful company, beautiful formulations. I love the balance. I love the sleep. It's mineralhealth.co. That's M-I-N-E-R-A-L-H-E-A-L-T-H dot C-O. And if you're listening to this podcast, and I know you are, you want to try their formulations, then use code CHICAGO15. That's Chicago spelled out in the number 15. That's C-H-I-C-A-G-O-1-5. You do that, you'll get 15% off your first order. That's 15%. That's only available for listeners of the podcast. So use that code. Thank you, Mineral. And thank yourselves, too, because you're going to love this stuff. Cannabis without the high. That's correct. We start with this part. Hey, everybody, how's it going? Your Ben Jarofsky show for Thursday, April 9th is just moments away. But before we get into that, we got to thank the following unions for jumping on board and sponsoring this podcast. Unions like the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9. The International (laughs) Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. And of course, today's Ben Jarofsky show was brought to you by our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. That's correct. Please give us our song of the day. Well, well I was going to do it. Oh, Michael Girardi, you're the man. Uh, that song was awesome. It's uh, well, we'll be playing it throughout today's show. I'll be discussing it throughout today's show. Uh, he sent in a letter. Michael Girardi, he's a listener and a musician in Chicago, and he sent in a funny letter. He goes, uh, "Just." was inspired by Ben's rants about editorial boards, mostly Chicago Tribune editorial board. Uh, as listeners know, Michael knows, reader knows, you know, I'm the only lefty in Chicago who actually reads the Tribune's editorials. And sometimes the bright one really upsets me too. And they're, <laughs> they're terrible, particularly the Tribune, worst editorials. What, what? I can't even get the words out. Anyway, so, but, you know, so he wrote this uh, song, uh that's the story from the editorial board uh and i gotta tell you uh 
I love everything about it. But Rant, I would like to think, Michael, that it's a sophisticated argument, well thought out, and Michael, dispassionate. You, you should be flattered because <laughs> for most songs that are on the Ben Jarofsky show, it takes like 30 years for Ben Jarofsky to cover it, all right? You wrote this song yesterday, and it, not even 24 hours later, we got Ben Jarofsky already covering it and butchering it. No, I know. it's <laughs> That's a good point. You know, like, for instance, I might sing a song from Earth, Wind, and Fire circa 1975. That's the way of the world, which... You know, <laughs> that's what I was. Was listening. that singing? <laughs> that's what I was listening to last night when I was doing the dishes. Earth, Wind, and Fire—that's the way of the world. One of the greatest uh, songs ever written. Yes, indeed. But uh, Michael Girardi, that song kills. Love that song, man. We're gonna be playing it a little later on during the news, everybody. But Ben, go ahead and give us uh, your interpretation. Uh, that's the story from the editorial board. That's the guitar. That's the Neil Young guitar. Angry guitar. Okay. The Ben Jarofsky show starts now. It is Thursday, April 9th and live from Ben's house. This is the Ben Jarofsky show. Today on the program, we're talking unions and pensions over the phone with union man and pension guru, Jeff Johnson. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist, Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Everybody Loves Bernie Thursday. And here's why. So I woke up this morning and what did I see? On the headline, the New York Times, home delivered as always. Listeners, you see that newspaper? Yeah, that's the New York Times, baby. Here's the headline. Quote, Bernie Sanders was right back when, and he's still right now. Let me just read that to you one more time. Bernie Sanders was right back when, and he's still right now. Headline, correct. On, <laughs> headline on an essay in today's New York Times. I had to say, hmm, you've got to be kidding me let me just tell you something folks about the new york times and bernie sanders they hated on bernie hated on him there must be like five columnists that ripped bernie for one for one reason or the other they they went from like the the so-called lefties on their editorial board who go he can't win he just can't win he should get over it to the right wingers <laughs> i might vote for trump over bernie He's a socialist. He once said something nice about Cuba. Yeah, but how are you going to pay for it? Yeah. <laughs> how are you going to pay? We'll get to that. Yeah, so they were ripping Bernie, man. Now Bernie's out of the race. Now they love Bernie. Isn't that funny? When he's not around running with his great ideas to help people who really need it. Oh, there's a radical notion for America to accept. There's a radical notion for the New York Times to accept. This falls in with Michael. Here I'm ranting and raving. Not ranting, Michael. It's a sophisticated argument based on logic and reasoning. Not a rant. Okay. Uh, It's dispassionate. I will now do it as though I were an NPR. Isn't it interesting how the New York Times has changed its attitude? Some would call it ironic. NPR, are you listening to this? (laughs) Hire this man. Come on, that NPR, was good NPR. NPR is like, we never get upset. We are always so reasonable as we study the irony, because everything is ironic. 
I'm with the NPR. How ironic. People like sports in America. How ironic. Anyway, enough of the New York. You'll never hear this show on NPR, guys. <laughs> NPR. You know, something it's funny. After I got fired, remember that, D? You got fired? Yeah. Some people are like, Ben, why don't you go to NPR? I'm, oh, yeah. Obviously, you've never heard my show. Uh, <laughs> Have you ever heard anybody remotely like me on NPR? Mm, Let's see. Uh, Great advice. Career advice I've gotten over the years. Ben, go to NPR. Okay, yeah. Ben, back in the 90s, Ben, go to the Tribune. (laughs) That's great career advice. Go to the Tribune. Like they would ever hire anybody remotely looking or acting or writing like me. Anyway, back to Bernie and the New York Times. Yes, they were nowhere to be found. When he needed them the most, when he needed them the most to get his argument of what America needs the most, starting with Medicare for all, they were nowhere to be found. You know, like I always say about the Tribune, when they're so afraid to condemn Trump, even though he's insane, where are they? Oh, there they are. They're under the desk. No, they're on the brown line. (laughs) They're on the, they're just riding back and forth on the brown line. Man, I, I can't even get the words out. But as soon as he's not running, quote, Bernie Sanders was right back when, and he's still right now. What a freaking (laughs) joke. Oh, by the way, uh, I think we have a hit here with uh, the NPR bit. Stephen weighed in. He says, can we have a fake NPR uh, for a reoccurring (laughs) gag? That was excellent. No, NPR, man, come on, I can't, I, 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 that's a whole other thing. I don't want to go on to my NPR riff. Hey, Stephen, uh, noted. It is noted, but no, NPR, it's love. It's for its beloved irony. Everything is ironic. They never take a stand because it's ironic. So we, we got a new live stream chat listener, Fred W. He's weighing in on the NPR gag. Yeah. Uh, he says, next on NPR, <laughs> we will talk with ghost-faced killer. A rapper formerly known in the Wu-Tang Clan. Yeah, no, it's like, a rapper. There are people who like rap. Very interesting rap. No, the <laughs> NPR NPR on sports is a trip, folks. You know, like, the whole country loves sports, or most people in this country. A lot of people in this country love sports. But NPR, it's like this foreign thing that's fallen to America. Interesting sports. Tell us a little more about it, like what real people do with their time watching sports. Anyway, enough on NPR. Once again, you'll never hear this show on NPR, especially after now. No, after now? It took this? Are you kidding me? How about my entire career? Uh, Ben, could you be a little less nasty about the mayors in the city of Chicago? Could you say something nice about them? It might help your career. sound like a hippie. Don't (laughs) act like one. Come on, say something nice. (laughs) Liberals always have to go, well, you know, they have a point. That's what liberals always do. Right-wingers can just say whatever they want, rip anybody they want, but a, a, a liberal, well, you know, on one hand, liberals say this. On the other hand, conservatives say, like, you don't have an opinion. It's like, no, no, can't be too liberal can't be too lefty anyway where was i new york times they're taking the bold stand once bernie's out of the race hey way to take the the strong stand new york times well he's not around not running all right let's say something nice about the old guy all right Anyway, you know what it reminds me? It reminds me of the great Muhammad Ali. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Follow me on this Wait, one. Wait, he floats like a butterfly and stings like a bee, right? Yes, I'm now about to do a sports reference. If we're at NPR, they go, oh, Muhammad Ali, how interesting. He combines sports and politics. Hmm, let's study this more. Anyway, Muhammad Ali, when he was young and strong, when he was at the top of his game, 
when he was saying fearless uh, statements, bold and courageous little, some of them were a little nutsy, by the way. I, I followed Muhammad Ali very carefully back in the day. But when he was making his proclamations that he believed in, America hated him. Well, not all America. I mean, black people liked him. But most white people didn't like him, and certainly most people in power didn't like him. They tried to throw him in prison for uh, not wanting to go fight in the Vietnam War. But you know, once he was sick, once he was unable to speak, once he was no longer making his bold, defiant statements, you notice how they, everybody loved him? Everybody loved Muhammad Ali when he couldn't talk for himself. They gave him a gold medal. He threw his gold medal in the Ohio River. That's what he says. He threw his gold medal into the Ohio River to protest racism in America. That was what he said he did to his the gold medal he won in 1960. So they gave him a new one in 1996, but they said, oh, no, he didn't really throw it into the Ohio River. He lost it. You know, Muhammad Ali wasn't around to tell his side of the story. Everybody was like, oh, well, he, he lost it. That, that thing about throwing it in the Ohio River? <laughs> That's not true. Muhammad Ali never, I never heard Muhammad Ali say it wasn't true. Anyway, that's the thing. When you're a fighter, they don't like you when you're fighting. But once you're not fighting anymore, oh, they love you. Oh, we love you, Bernie. And here's the thing. Bernie's still fighting. God bless you, Bernie Sanders. He's still fighting for the things he believes in. I got to say this. I don't think there's anything remotely controversial about what Bernie's advocating. I happen to believe that most people in America, push come to shove, would like the idea of Medicare for all, would like the idea of knowing that their health insurance is covered, that they don't have to worry about it. I'd like to think that anyone of sound mind and body would agree that the COVID-19 pandemic that has all of us freaked out, that has me doing my show from my attic, interviewing people over phones, and that's just one tiny, <laughs> tiny, tiny example of how much it's disrupted our life. I would like to think that the COVID-19 pandemic is exhibit one, exhibit A of exactly why we need Medicare for all, right? You would think anybody of sound mind would say and agree to that, but guess what, folks? There's no one of sound mind and body currently running for president of the United States. The current occupant of that office, Donald John Trump, I hate to break it to you, is such a lunatic that he has lawyers in court at this very moment trying to destroy Obamacare. Yeah, he doesn't like to talk about that so much, folks, but that's the reality. It's like they're still fighting Obamacare because they despise Barack Obama and they want to eradicate every like trace that Barack Obama was ever the president of the United States. So they're going to try to take away health care from people who need it desperately at this moment of pandemic. They're, that's what they're in court doing, even though Barack Obama hasn't been in office since 20, what is it, 2017? I guess it's almost four years. But they're still fighting the Obamacare war. Unbelievable. They have no alternative to it. If they destroy Obamacare without like a health care system, you're back to employer-based health care. Guess what? Guess what, folks? What was it? 10 million people have filed for unemployment uh, since the, the pandemic hit this country hard. Isn't that what it is? I think it's 10 million. People are losing their jobs. The notion of employment-based insurance in the middle of a depression is an insane program. And yet, President of the United States, the man America thought was a good idea to elect, Donald John Trump, that's his proposal. 
Meanwhile, on the other side, my, <laughs> my beloved Democrats have not I'm nominated Joe Biden, apparently. You know, I guess he's, what do they always say? The presumptive nominee. Well, I guess he's the real, nobody else is running. Everybody else has dropped out. So he's going to be the nominee, folks. Unless they take my advice from yesterday's show where I came up with five people to uh, to replace them. Hey, come on, five people. That's pretty good. Yeah, more on that in moments, guys. <laughs> By the way, just, just, you know, folks, I I might change my mind about some of those people. You know, it's, it's like I said, it's like a ranking in a football, you know, college football ranking. Yeah, one day this, the next day that. You know, don't hold me to it, all right? Oh, flip-flopping Jarofsky <laughs> over here. Yeah, flip-flopping Jarofsky. Oh, yes, where was it? My, my beloved Democrats have nominated uh, uh, Joe Biden, who uh, argued against Medicare for All. He was arguing against it throughout the debates. I watched every debate, dutifully watched every single debate. As oh, I watched some of those debates. I think uh, that's where I heard this. Play the radio. Make sure the television, the, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night. The, the, the phone, make sure the kids hear words. That was during the debate. Heck of a job, Dems. <laughs> Great job with the nomination process, all right? Really feeling... Uh, re I feel good about the next <laughs> six months. Feeling really reassured that that's the guy you've chosen to put be at the helm. Anyway, all right, here we go. So Joe Biden's against Medicare for all. Now, I've spent my entire adult life analyzing the things politicians say, folks, and I've broken it down to two things. One, there's the stated reason for why they're doing or saying what they say. And two, there's the unstated reason. All right, so let's just break down Joe Biden's position on Medicare for all, uh, stated and unstated. The stated reason, <clears throat> and I'm not going to do my Joe Biden imitation. Thank uh, God. <laughs> I do, I, huh? <laughs> yeah. My Joe Biden imitation kind of goes into my Robert Mueller imitation. Have you noticed that? <gasps> you only uh, got two good ones. Uh, Clinton. And uh, Mick Jagger. You're Mick Jagger in bad. First of all, okay, that is so untrue, okay? I have a great Ken Davis. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're Ken Davis. What was I thinking? <laughs> of course. Uh, I got a lot of good imitations. Um, I used to have a great Harold Washington imitation, but I haven't heard his voice in so long. Yeah, we haven't heard that one in uh, three years at least, because I haven't heard it on this yeah, show. No, Harold, back, back in the day. I once did my Harold Washington imitation for Harold Washington. He's, you know, it's a good imitation. Oh, thank, you, <laughs> thank you, Mr. Mayor. <laughs> what can I say? Oh, what can I say? Anyway, where was I? Oh, yeah, stated reason and unstated reason for why Joe Biden uh, is against Medicare for all. Stated reason is uh, he, meaning Bernie, <laughs> That's how he, hasn't accounted for how he's going to pay for it, how much it's going to cost. He hasn't told you how much it's going to cost. America, how can you have Medicare for all if he's not going to tell you how much it's going to cost? Are you freaking kidding me, Joe Biden? How much it's going to cost? We're in the midst of a pandemic. No one cares about costs. People care about their health. Congress just passed the, what, a, a relief bill for like $2 trillion, $2 trillion. That's trillion with a T and an R. <laughs> All right, $2 trillion. And by the way, there's more coming. No objections. Republicans stay, <clears throat> Republicans voting yes, just like Democrats. All, all of a sudden, everybody's finding their inner Bernie in the middle of a pandemic. It would be nice, don't you think, once in a while, to think these things through a little bit before we have a crisis, to, I don't know, deal with the problems of the inadequate health care system in our country before we're in the middle of a pandemic? I guess it's too much for people. Anyway. Nobody's thinking about costs. It was a baloney argument. I almost swore, D. Almost swore, but I held, held back. 
you appreciate that? I almost swore. I love bologna. <laughs> it was a bologna. Art. By the way, in, do you remember the bologna scene in Next Friday? It's one of my favorite scenes. Oh, in they the give movie. the dog bologna with <laughs> weed in it. No, the no. <laughs> correction, uh, correction. The bologna did not have the weed in it. The brownie had the weed in it. Oh. And the, after the guy went through the bologna, then he gave the anyway. My apologies. Like everyone else <laughs> living right now, I haven't seen next Friday in like 15 years. That's correct. Uh, yeah, I saw it uh, Friday. It was so good. Anyway, all right, where was I? Okay. So the stated reason that Joe Biden gives for not being for Medicare for all is that we don't know how much it's going to cost. And, uh, you know, so God, God forbid that government would sign on to a bill without knowing exactly how much it costs. Like it doesn't do it every freaking year with the defense budget. But anyway, uh, that's his stated reason. His unstated reason? Come on, folks. We all know. Some cockamamie focus group study put together by the operatives behind the scenes said, oh, Joe. Uh, our focus group shows that swing voters in Wisconsin are very concerned if you sign on to Medicare for all. They think it's too lefty. They think it's too socialist. You have to distinguish yourself from Bernie by being against it. Okay, I'll do whatever you tell me. That's the reason. Is that Joe Biden? Yeah, that's Joe Biden. It's actually not bad. No, yeah. I don't know. He sounded like from Brooklyn or something. <laughs> Joe Biden's I from Pennsylvania. Uh, yes, he is. He's actually a Del uh, senator from Delaware, but uh, I believe he... Grew up in Scranton, did he not? I believe so. Yeah, Scranton, Pennsylvania. Wow, huge difference. Pennsylvania and Delaware, hello. Uh, well, and you made him sound like he was like a cab driver <laughs> or something. <sighs> <laughs> That's kind of your uh, Pritzker, isn't it? I'm just sliding into your Pritzker. Anyway, where was I? Oh, stated reason is we can't afford it. We don't know how much it's going to cost. Real reason is some f dumb focus group about swing voters in Wisconsin. Like, you're going to win them over by saying... Uh, I am against Medicare for all in the middle of a pandemic. Anyway, back to the New York Times. They love Bernie. Probably because they figure to win this election, they're going to have to win over Bernie supporters. That's what's really going on, D. Hey, it's not that they suddenly love Bernie Sanders. It's that now that Bernie's out of the race, they had to, I could just imagine the meeting. Uh, we got to figure out a way to get those hardcore Bernie uh, lovers to support Joe Biden. I know what we'll do. We'll write an editorial saying Bernie Sanders was right back when, and he's still right now. That ought to do it. Like, um, <clears throat> one, I'm going to tell you why this isn't going to work. One, Bernie lovers, you notice I don't call him Bernie Bros D? Yeah. Better notice right. that. Thank you. Number one. <laughs> Bernie bros don't read the New York Times. Hate to break it to you, okay? They don't read the New York Times. And two, they will never, ever, ever vote for Joe Biden. Got to break it Number to you. Number two. <laughs> right on time. Let's do it again. Number one, they don't read the New York Times. And number two, even if they did, they will never, ever, ever vote for Joe Biden. I hate to break it to you, folks, but this is a reality. I have uh, a long familiarity with hardcore Bernie Sanders supporters. Uh, they're not that much You want to say bro so bad. So bad, I know. But who was it the one that said I can't say it? Somebody... Uh, Stephen, and then everybody joined in and said, yeah, Stephen's right. <laughs> All right, Bernie supporters. Ugh, Bernie bros, please let me say it. No, okay, I won't say it. Uh, but I know the type, okay? It's like Green Party supporters. My dear friend Sam Holloway, one of my uh, great friends, uh, will never, ever, ever vote for Joe Biden. So you could 
say what you want to say. You can come up with commercials that you want to come up with. You can have the New York Times write glowing editorials about Bernie Sanders. They're not going to vote for him. So you to win this election, Democrats, not that any of you should take advice from me, but I'm giving it to you anyway. To win this election, you got to forget about the Bernie supporters. Nice. Almost said it again, D. You, you got to forget about those hardcore Bernie supporters. They're not going to vote for you. And, and don't blame them if you lose the election. That's number one, okay? They're not going to vote for you in part because you're always blaming them for losing the last election. You just like have no convincing argument to win over hardcore Bernie supporters. Number one, you kind of hate them and you let that hatred show all the time you talk about them, blaming them for the last election. And number two, they think you're freaking phonies. And you know what? It's hard for me to argue with them on that point. Because Democrats are supposed to have values that they believe in that distinguish them from Republicans. And yet, when it comes to something like it's such a basic Democratic value as health care for all, oh, no, can't afford it, cannot afford it, but we can afford an unlimited budget for the defense industry. So the Bernie supporters kind of figured out that you're a bunch of phonies. So you're not going to win them over. All right. Now going to win me over because I'm a sucker and I still believe that the Democrats are a far superior choice to the utter insanity of the Republican Party. I believe that. I would, I've said this many times. I would vote for the Democrat pretty much regardless uh, who the candidate is just because I think that, that he or she, whatever Democrat, would probably pick better judges, would take probably out of a sentence, would pick better judges, and would have better re- rules and regulations governing the environment. So I will go Democrat. But I'm not a typical hardcore Bernie supporter. You know what, D? There was someone sent me this meme that's going around right now. I gotta, I gotta share this with you. Hold on, let me get this meme. Um, by the way, everybody's texting me, what do you think of the new Bulls general manager? Bulls got a new general manager anyway. Focus, Ben, focus. Okay, so uh, this this is a meme that was sent to me by someone. It uh, shows millennials, uh, and this first picture shows a happy millennial, and it says, excitedly voting for Obama in 2008. And then the second picture shows a concerned millennial voting for Obama in 2012, even though he was turning out to be a big disappointment. And the third one shows a millennial who's like beat up and weary. And it says, holding nose and voting for Clinton in 2016 to stop Trump. And the fourth one shows a millennial who just looks devastated, like he's just been run over by a car. And it says, being asked to vote for Joe Biden in 2020. They swore D, but I'm not going to swear. It's a swear word that begins with an F. And that's kind of just sums it all up, folks. You're not going to get hardcore Bernie supporters uh, to uh, sign on for Joe Biden. You're just not going to do it. So the secret to win this election, you're going to have to get more black people involved. Going to get have to get more black. Once again, black voters of America are going to have to come to the aid of the Democratic Party you're going to have to inspire black people to come up and register. You're going to have to inspire them to come out and vote. You can't, it's going to be, have to be like Alabama in 2018 where Doug Jones was victorious because of a huge turnout in the black community. And then what was the Democrats' takeaway from that? Well, those swing voters in the Republican district really came through. For, like there was like a one, like the, the percentage of, of, women who in the 
middle-class neighborhoods of Alabama went from like 10% Republican to 9% Republican. They go, wow, that's a winning, winning strategy. You know, they never want to give black people credit for anything. Anyway, that's my advice, which you're free not to take, which of course you won't take because I wouldn't even take it myself. So uh, you have to, uh, let's see, you have to choose a vice president that would inspire people who are not uh, currently signed up and registered to vote. And you have to come up with policies that would inspire people who are not signed up and registered to vote. Uh, and maybe you have to replace Joe Biden at the top of the ticket. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that voice from it. But I'll tell you one thing that's not going to work. It's a little too late to write columns sucking up to Bernie Sanders. We got a great show today, everybody. Jeff Johnson will be here talking about union news, talking about oh, how city workers are dealing. Uh, good God, it's um, I think there was this story. There were two uh, people, obituaries in the paper today about uh, city workers who died because of coronavirus. And also talk about pension issues, political issues. We'll ask him a few Biden and Bernie questions as well. So a lot of political talk ahead of us. Before we do that, the young man from Alton, the pride and joy of the 618, the man they call the doctor with the news. Hey guys, how's it going? Shout out to the live stream chat room, Steven. I don't know where you've been, man, but you're back on the live stream chat. Welcome back. And I agree. He says, uh, Ben showing off his new meme and losing focus. Ben Jarofsky's a 26 year old. Oh, I agree. Catch While he was doing that, I was so impressed. Like, wow, we've come so far. Not only is Ben live reading something from his phone, he knew what a meme was, and he read the meme. <laughs> I read the meme, but I cleaned it up, right? And he cleaned it I up. I cleaned it up for Dennis. Holy cow. Can we give another shout-out to Michael, by the way? Can we just give We're going to play Michael's song in a moment. Michael uh, sent us a song. song. Uh, it's an original song that he wrote and produced all himself, the editorial board. Uh, the lyrics inspired by the Ben Jarofsky show and uh, editorial boards, apparently. We're going to play that song in moments, all right? Let me just read one line, and then you can go on. Uh, you, uh, what is this? Uh, like to save the world when it's under attack, but how are you going to pay for that? Great line. Listen for those lyrics coming up. Michael's song. We're going to be playing it. All right. Well, we got a little follow-up from uh, yesterday. Now, yesterday on the program, our host, Ben Jarofsky, uh -oh. sat down and thought hard <laughs> eh, for about 35 minutes about yeah. his top five replacements instead of Joe Biden. Oh, it was an excellent time we had on the program yesterday. If you missed it, we highly encourage that you go download this. Uh, we'll give you a little sneak peek, though, and let you know about Ben's top five. Uh, ben, who are your top five to replace Joe Biden? Well, can I do the one bit from yesterday? Oh, Jesus. This is where, hey! ben, this is where ben yells out the window at people. Hey, you! Pizza delivery guy, you want to run? Well, that happened yesterday, but he also gave his top five list. Ben, who are your top right, five to replace start. Joe Biden? All right, as I said already, I'm already backing away from the top five. Um, I reserve the right to change it because what I said was it was a top five, much like there's a, a ranking of top five uh, college football teams. They change day to day oh, by boy. various he variables. Regrets his, he regrets his list of I five. Can't I can't remember it. Let's, it's a test of, uh, of memory. I think number five was Lori Lightfoot. That's correct. Okay. Uh, who is number four? Wait, hold on. I think I have it written down somewhere. Hold on, hold on. Was Joe Exotic on the list? No, no Joe Exotic was not on the list. <laughs> I didn't think so. I think uh, it was. I think it was. Uh, 
Michelle Obama. Oh, here we go. Michelle Obama. That's correct. And uh, I had fun with that one because I absolutely oppose the notion that uh, when, uh, when, when they go low, we go high, which is Michelle Obama's view of politics. But I figured, hey, you know, uh, Democrats love her, put her on the list. A uh, Cory Booker. And then one of our uh, listeners pointed out that I never supported him when he was actually running. So it's kind of funny he's on the list. Uh, Andrew Cuomo and J.B. Pritzker. That was the That's correct. Guy. Yep. That's correct. Thank you. I thought the governors, That's correct. Uh, <laughs> the governors who uh, were stepping up in the middle of this pandemic, uh, showing more empathy than Donald Trump, who's insane, uh, deserved to be considered. So that was his list, guys. I know. Not that great, right? Well, we're going to be talking about that. Well, actually, uh, we're going to double down here and Ben's going to give us another oh, list. No. Yes, he gave us his top five list to replace Joe Biden. But uh, thanks to our good friend and a longtime listener of the Ben Jarofsky show, he was even listening before Ben was fired at WCPT 820 where facts matter. Isn't that right, Ben? His name's Bab. Bab weighed in, and uh, he uh, sent us a message and, got, and said, guys, come on, what are you doing? Who are you kidding? The real top five list is the top five vice presidents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bab's right. I mean, every time I, I talk about replacing Joe Biden, this is, the, by the, this is one thing that pretty much everybody agrees on, including lefties like Bab and uh, centrists. Uh, like I'm trying to think of a good centrist who's but David Seaton. They would all agree. All of them agree. Ben, it's a fantasy to think that the Democrats are going to replace Joe Biden. Joe Biden is your candidate. This is who the the Democratic voters and the primaries have chosen, and this is who's going to be the candidate. So stop fantasizing about replacing him. That's pretty much what everybody agrees on. So yes, everybody, coming up in just mere moments, right here. On the Ben Jarofsky Show, you don't want to go anywhere and you want to make sure you share and tell your friends and head to the <laughs> Facebook page at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show. Coming up, Uh-oh. we are going to find out Ben Jarofsky's top five vice presidential picks, Uh-oh. all right? So don't go anywhere. But first, well, we got to put uh, a button on uh, your previous outlandish okay, list. Yeah. Yes. It's the uh, dramatic conclusion of Ben Jarofsky's top five instead of Biden. More listeners have weighed in online. And while, yes, there are those who agree that Joe Biden should not be the Democratic presidential candidate after hearing or reading your list, there are those wondering exactly what are you smoking (laughs) before every show in your attic? Uh, Let's read some of these comments. Ben, you weigh in. And if we're lucky, we'll make a decent podcast segment out of it. All right. First up, it's Jennifer. Jennifer uh, saw your top five instead of Biden. Jennifer is indeed not riding with Biden. All right. Jennifer posted, Call the DNC, 202-863-8000. Ask them what plans or policies that Biden has to offer. He's their responsibility now. Uh, yeah, it's. I agree with her 100%. I didn't even know the phone number. I got to give her credit for having the phone number handy. That number again, 202-863-8000. That's correct. Joe Biden. Joe Biden is maybe the worst Democratic candidate uh, that I've ever seen the electric nominee. And I, I, you know, as soon as I say that, I'm thinking that's extreme because I lived through Mike Dukakis and Walter Fritz Mondale. I kind of like Mondale, actually. But, you know, uh, (laughs) it's just, it goes beyond his inability to uh, finish a sentence. I just don't know what he believes in. So that's why this vice presidential candidate is so important. So many of my Dem friends are telling me, Ben, don't worry about it. The vice presidential candidate's key. 
you know, he'll get this young, vibrant, uh, smart, charismatic vice president, and people will be voting for that vice president. Um, I'm going to use the, the she because he's already promised. Good God, could you imagine if he didn't pick a woman to be vice president after promising that he was going to pick a woman for hmm. vice president? The, oh, God. That it's would almost tr- like he uh, may not have remembered saying it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hmm. Huh. Did I say that? I never said that. Huh? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's uh, it's it's really bad. And, you know, it, this is what happens when Democrats uh, pretend that they're pundits and they vote as though they were on NPR and everything's ironic. And uh, they end up voting as pundits trying to figure out who is the most electable candidate as opposed to who would be the best president or who is the person that most champions and articulates the things they believe in. So this is the consequences, America. All right. Shout out to Steven. Steven says, why is Bernie not the obvious choice to replace Biden? Hey, exactly. You must have missed yesterday's show, Steven. It's the question we've all been asking Ben Jarofsky in the last 24 hours. Well, I voted for Bernie Sanders. I voted for him in 2016. And the reality is this. 70% of the Democratic Party disagrees with me. I hate to say it, 70, it's not the first time, it's not the first time that I've been on the losing side of a political fight, usually on the losing sides of political fights. But the reality is this, 70% of the Democrats, all right, you know what, I'll make it 65%. Disagrees with me on this one. So Bernie is, Bernie was my choice, but the reality is, Wow, look at that wind, D. All of a sudden, the wind is... Yes, look you notice at that? the wind. <laughs> the trees are blowing, and it's like scary. Out. It's like apocalyptic. Uh, so anyway, that's why I didn't put Bernie on the list, because it's pretty obvious to me that my fellow Democrats uh, do not want Bernie Sanders leading them, except for the New York Times today. Oh, my God, they love him. Now he's not... Ro- Bernie Sanders was right back when and he's still right now thanks a lot for nothing new york times anyway that's why i didn't put bernie all right people coming up ben's top five vice presidential list but first we're still putting a button on this uh (laughs) top five that he gave yesterday oh highly debatable if you ask me all right uh let's see here beth says i listened to biden's online event last night and half of what he said was a word salad i'll vote (laughs) i'll vote for him but he needs better scripting uh, better scripting. Yeah. In other words, just, just give him something to read. By the way, when she said that half of what he said, that's like a Beatles song. Half of what I say is meaningless. Name the song, D. The Beatles. Oh, very good. Julia, as everybody knows. <laughs> uh, half of what I say is meaningless. And uh, that would apply to Joe Biden. Absolutely. Next up, it's Suzanne. Suzanne weighed in on Facebook. Thank you so much, Suzanne. You are awesome. Suzanne posts, Biden couldn't beat anyone. He is <laughs> ill and needs memory care. So embarrassing for his family. Shame on the Democrats. Uh, shame on the Democrats, indeed. I actually think that I'm not one of these people that say Biden can't beat Donald Trump. I think Donald Trump has a lot of brain issues too. He just expresses them in different ways. So I'm not the one who's saying that Joe Biden can't beat Donald Trump. I think Donald Trump is a beatable candidate. And we talk about this with David Ferris all the time. Got to bring him back, do more conversations with David Ferris. Uh, The fallacy that Bernie Sanders couldn't beat Donald Trump, David Ferris, uh, pick that apart, but also the fallacy that Joe Biden can't beat uh, Donald Trump. I don't believe that's true. I think Joe Biden could beat Donald Trump. I just don't, I just think that uh, the, the, uh, the, 
I think that Donald Trump has an obvious advantage when he's running against Joe Biden that he didn't have when he would be running against Bernie Sanders in that Joe Biden, as our listeners are pointing out, just seems vacant. Uh, that's number one. And number two, I don't know what Joe Biden believes in, what he really uh, believes in. So it's hard to really rally people around him if you don't know what he's believing in. But I still think he can beat Donald Trump. That's how disliked Donald Trump is in this country. All right, Suzanne, once again, thank you so much. Our dear friend Doogie sent us a message via Twitter. Uh, some who say he tweeted us at Benny J show or, or he tweeted us. Uh, let's see here. He says, I've been waiting to post this. This is the last straw. Why I'm done with the Dems after 28 years. Doogie's done here. He says they betrayed me when they ousted at Al Franken. Then I found out and Ben, I've never heard this before. I actually went and looked it up. It says it's true. According to uh, what is this fact? check.org uh he says here uh then i found out that obama was related to dick cheney after that everything i believe is crumbled now bernie <laughs> they don't represent me anymore uh well i don't know why you would put the anymore in there in that sentence uh, if you're a bernie supporter a hardcore bernie supporter you felt that way in 2016 which is why i estimated 10 percent of them did not vote for hillary clinton uh, but uh, 28 years, I don't know, you barely put any time in. Who, who wrote this one, D? That's Doogie. Doogie, come on, Doogie. I've been at it for, do the math. It's hard to do this math. It's Ooh, over man. 40 years. Good, Good God. God, yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, I'm still going at it. I guess uh, that's just And did you know insanity. that uh, Obama and Dick Cheney are related? It's like a distant relation. Yeah, distant yeah. relation. They look Ireland. nothing alike. Yeah, <laughs> they're definitely not separated at birth. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if I would hold that against uh, Barack Obama, but I did read that somewhere. Yeah. Anyway, I listen. I'm, I'm in the game. I, I, I have the long view. I'm still hoping that my beloved Democratic Party will come to its senses. You know, I'm still hoping that some focus group comes back to Joe Biden and says, uh, boss, we just did a survey of swing voters in Wisconsin. And guess what? With the pandemic, they're now for Medicare for all. Huh? Okay, I'm for it. For, forget everything I said. I forgot it. So, you know, listen, anything's possible. Uh, All right, we're still possible. reading these comments here from uh, Ben's list yesterday. Uh, let's see here. It says uh, we got one from, oh, okay, Joe Biden has his defenders. All right, Nancy uh, said, Ben, stop whining. We have to get on board. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Listen, first of all, <laughs> stop whining. <laughs> well, I added that. She didn't put that. I added that uh, in Oh, I was going to do a good uh, whine. Uh, listen, I am a board. I keep saying this. I'm going to vote for him. Every time I write a column or every time I make a talk on the radio, I always say, I'm going to vote for him. I always say, I'm going to vote for the Democrat. I am not a hardcore Bernie supporter. I'm not, you know, of that ilk. I just know him very well, okay? And I know how they think. And I've had arguments and discussions and debates with them. And I realize you're not going to get them to vote for Joe Biden. So don't even try. And stop at headlines like Bernie Sanders was right in the New York Times when you were not there when he needed you to champion the what he was right about. So I am on board. It's a little difficult. <laughs> I can I just I do I have to be cheery when I'm on board? Do I have to go, oh, I really love Joe Biden. He's so passionate and charismatic. I mean, you know, do I have to lie? I mean, don't you want a little honesty? Uh, 
Shout out to Radio Doogie again. He waited on the live stream chat. He says, yes, all the presidents are related except for one. They ask, have royal bloodline ties. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't know any of that. I did not know any of that. I'm taking out of I've not fact checked that one. All the presidents are related. Oh, yeah. I've seen that before. That's just one of those things where it's like, all right, I, I have to go to work. I have to pay bills. I can't sit here and <laughs> focus on stuff like this. All Shout out to Dookie. He's okay. the man. All right. All right. On to Marguerite. Ben, Marguerite thought your list was ridiculous. I agree. <laughs> Marguerite posted, and I guess this is our Joe Biden impression here. Marguerite posted, come on, man. <laughs> That's actually not a bad Joe Biden imitation. Come on, man. Get real. <laughs> she then gave us her top five. Ooh, uh, her number. Okay, you ready to write no, this I'm writing down? this down. Hold her, on. Her Marguerite's number. list. Hold on. Hey, we got nothing going on. Go ahead. Take your time. All right. Here we go. Go ahead. All right. Her number five, Gavin Newsom. Okay. He almost made my list. That's the governor of California. Go ahead. Now, her number four, it says the real JB. James Brown? I don't know. I think maybe JB Pritzker. I would guess. We're going to say JB Pritzker, I guess. Yeah. All right. Uh, her number three was Maxine Waters. Oh, I love Maxine Waters. I love Maxine Waters. Not sure she's electable, but I love Maxine Waters. Okay, you picked Lori Lightfoot to be the next president. Uh, number two, <laughs> AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She will probably... Well, she's, I think she's too young. Uh, isn't she 30? I think she's too young. I All think right. she's maybe too young for next cycle, too. I love AOC. She's the one who killed uh, Amazon in New York. And still like somehow, that. AOC, better than all five of your picks yesterday. <laughs> and but she's too young. I mean, I would endorse my daughters, but they're too young, too. And Marguerite's number one, Mr. $27 himself, Bernie Sanders. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> love Bernie as much as you do, Marguerite. Marguerite's list, way better than yours. <laughs> God. I, by the way, I agree. Her list is way better than mine. I agree, Marguerite. Your list is better than mine. But I was coming up with like a realistic list that the Dems might pick, whereas you have a wish list that a lefty would pick. So there's a difference there, but I'm with you. Once again, you picked Lori Lightfoot, but uh, let's. she has alternates here. Her alternates are Hirono, Ro Khanna, uh, Schiff Premilla, and Elizabeth Warren. Uh, yeah, we'll get to Elizabeth Warren in a little while. But uh, New York Times liked Elizabeth Warren. They endorsed her. Remember that? They they had a tie endorsement. They, they were finding their inner Chicago tribute. Uh, they want to take a real hard stand. So what we'll do is we'll go for Elizabeth Warren and Amy Klobuchar, your favorite, D, Amy Klobuchar. How'd you know? <laughs> Try to keep that to myself. No, who did I always used to say was your favorite? Uh, uh, Mayor Pete. Mayor Pete. <laughs> And speaking of our good friend and reoccurring guest on the Ben Jarofsky show, Henry Davis Jr. sent us a message okay. after seeing your uh, <laughs> top five instead of Biden. Henry Davis Jr. simply said, this is too much. <laughs> and then he had uh, laughing, crying emojis. I'm going to have uh, we're going to uh, reach out to Henry Davis, get him back. Uh, he's he's a very favorite uh, guest of ours. He's the councilman from South Bend. He'll love our my vice presidential list for reasons I will reveal in a little while. Uh, and uh, he was one of the first to speak out against Mayor Pete. And I happen to believe that uh, many of the things he said really undercut Mayor Pete, just put it that way. And uh you know, help lead to the the notion, which was a very real one, that Mayor Pete had issues 
with black voters. And finally, we got to give a shout out to our dear friend, Dar. What's happening, Dar? Hope you're doing well. Uh, she says, uh, oh, well, she really let you have it on Facebook, Ben. <laughs> oh, I deserve yeah, every She did bit not of hold it. back. And uh, listeners, you can also let Ben have it. Benny J Show on Facebook and Twitter, B E N N Y, the letter J Show. Feel free to send us an email as well, Benny J Show at gmail.com. Uh, Dar weighed in here. Uh, actually, I got to go to Facebook and pull up Dar's comments. All Give right. Me- one second. Yeah, we got nothing to do. Ben, who's out there at the window on the oh, alley? Hey, right now? pizza guy, you want to oh. run? <laughs> He's out there. Yeah, hey, pizza guy. Okay, we had a meeting after the show yesterday. When I asked you to stall, you do the window bit. Oh, is that what I do? Yeah, I forgot. I'm like Joe Biden, huh? <laughs> Don't run for president. <laughs> Speak I guess. words. Dar says, "Hey Ben, you're a Ber- uh, you're a Bernie bro. Seventy five percent of your guests are also Bernie bros." Then <laughs> she says, "Not Dennis." And then she says, "You guys will never like Joe Biden. If Bernie was so good, why isn't Bernie not the presidential nominee for 2020?" Okay, first of all, I'm going to dispute the seventy five percent. I know she was just speaking rhetorically, but that is not true. I've had many people of the Joe Biden persuasion on this show. Uh, let me see, D. Let me get Terry Cosgrove was on the show yesterday. He's most definitely not. A Bernie bro, okay? And then why is she absolving you? Like, oh, Dennis is the good guy. You ever notice how, like, everybody likes Dennis on this show? Dennis is a bigger Bernie bro than I am, Dar. <laughs> He's Bernie or bust, basically. So, uh, oh, that's a little secret. I shattered hey, the come fourth on, wall. Uh, and, uh, yeah, sorry, man, I didn't mean to do that. Uh, uh, so we've had many uh, Joe Biden people on the show. Uh, but uh, hey, Check this out. Try say something. Hello. Hello. <laughs> I control your microphone. Be nice to me. Uh, did I ever tell you how much I love Dr. D? <laughs> All right. So there you are. Those are our comments. Wait there. a minute. So she was ripping me because I like Bernie too much. And the other people were ripping me because. Yeah. Welcome to the internet. <laughs> You're right. Welcome to the internet. Uh, yes. Well, thank you. The. I always uh, like to hear <laughs> the views and opinions of people ripping me. All right, so you yes, heard. Good. So we heard the comments, and we heard Ben's top five list to replace Biden. <laughs> Ugh, I don't know that Lori Lightfoot one really. Didn't well, sit let's well with see it. if you can make up for that list yesterday as yeah. we find out. <laughs> ben Jarofsky's top five president, uh, vice presidential picks. All right, so Bab put it best when he pointed out that uh, the Dems were gonna, are going to stick with Biden. It's a pipe dream of mine that he would be replaced. They're uh, riding with Biden. And so what really matters most, he's absolutely correct, uh, is the vice president. Because, and, and actually, he's not the only one who said, Tracy Bain came on the show about a week ago and said the same thing. And the cabinet's important too. <laughs> We're voting for the cabinet, but it's true. You know, it's, uh, if you don't have the best of all presidential candidates, you want a strong uh, vice presidential candidate. I'm, not, I'm thinking this is what the Republicans were thinking in uh, 2008. When uh, John McCain picked Sarah Palin, the hardcore right-wing base loved Sarah Palin. I thought they were insane for doing so. But uh, essentially, you know, they didn't love John McCain. So by picking Palin, he fired them up. So it's important to pick a strong vice presidential candidate uh, or nominee, even if, as we all know, ultimately that didn't help John McCain. Uh, and it probably is not going to help Joe Biden a lot. But, you know, let's stick to the notion that it really matters. Okay. 
So number five. Well, you know, if I had, uh, if I came in with Lori Lightfoot, a, a local. <laughs> <laughs> if I had, a, I came in with a local uh, candidate yesterday. I can't remember why I said Lori Lightfoot. By the way, I really can't. Uh, I was just feeling Lori Lightfoot yesterday. I was on a riff. Well, you know, if you got Lori Lightfoot, you got to stay local. So S D G S and D. Stacy Davis Gates. The number five <laughs> vice presidential pick. Uh, first, it would be really cool to have a guest, a frequent guest in Ben Jarowski's show running for vice president. You know, call her up every now and Where are you? Well, I'm on the plane <laughs> flying to North Dakota or wherever they're making. I, I, yeah, our show would probably leave the list of things to do if she became vice president. Just so, saying. <laughs> SDG for vice president. That'd be so funny if uh, Lori Lightfoot. Let's just, let's just pause for think about this, the insanity of this one. The Democrats tapped Joe Biden in the shoulder and said, um, step down. We're going to replace you with Lori Lightfoot. And then Lori Lightfoot said, I'm going to take Stacey Davis Gates. I just, I just having fun with that one, folks. Uh, but it's, it, it is funny because Stacey Davis Gates and Lori Lightfoot aren't really the best of pals uh, here in the city of Chicago. Stacey Davis Gates, one of the leaders of the Chicago Teachers Union, went on strike, uh, critical of Lori Lightfoot in many ways. I'm not even sure that Lori Lightfoot even will be in the same room as her. So I just had a little fun with that. Both, All by right. the way, both are Basketball players, I still want them to have that one-on-one -on -one game. Not even so, two minutes after your number five, people are complaining. Let's hear <laughs> number four. All right, number four, Elizabeth Warren. This is pretty much obvious Elizabeth one. Warren. It's an obvious one. Now there's um, pros and cons to Elizabeth Warren. Uh, number four, that's why she's number four. I think the cons outweigh the pros. But obviously she's uh, of the leftist persuasion uh, at, at some point she's been for health care for all. I'm not quite sure where she stands on it at the moment, but I uh, remember early on during the debate, she was definitely for it. Uh, and uh, she was the one who took apart Michael Bloomberg uh, in the debate. So she's a very effective debater. And uh, despite the fact that many hardcore Bernie supporters uh, don't like her for whatever reason, I do not know. Uh, but uh, you, you and I know the type D that don't like her. I believe that um, for the last 30 or so years, uh, she's been a champion of progressive policies, and uh, she was my number two all the time to uh, to Bernie. So I think she would do a great job of reaching out to the progressive wing of the Democratic Party and assuring them that Joe Biden is taking their their views seriously. Uh, her drawbacks, obviously, are her age. Uh, she's seventy years old, so you know you have two uh, older people on the ticket. Kind of want to balance that out. Uh, and then uh, to get to, uh, I think the the Dem should have a black woman uh, as vice president. All now right. the reason why, by the way, one more time, I'm I'm reserving this to women, is because Joe Biden has already said his candidate, his nominee will be a woman. Okay, so that's why I'm reserving this uh, to women. Yes. So uh, that's not why I'm not even considering uh, any men. So anyway, uh, number four, Elizabeth Warren. All right. So number five, Stacey Davis Gates. <laughs> Number four, Elizabeth Warren. It's time now for number three. Uh, number three is a congresswoman from Florida named Val Demings. She was a uh, police chief in Orlando. You're thinking, man, a cop. I, we're going back to this old fight between, you know, cops uh, in the Democratic Party. I've had this uh, conversation, this debate with many different people who have come uh, through the, well, I say come through the studio. We're now in the attic. So come over the phone. Uh, but uh, I've, she was, uh, Nancy Pelosi selected her to be, what, the, the manager, I think they called it, of the impeachment uh, hearings. I thought she did a great job. 
And uh, so what the heck? She's a black woman from Florida. Florida's an important swing state. Um, you, you can't write. She's a former police chief. So, you know, scaring white people with the notion that she's soft on crime, which is immediate, what they'll do, try to do anyway, uh, won't work that well. And I, I, like I said, I was very impressed with how she handled herself during uh, those impeachment hearings. So she's kind of a wild card out there. Although I saw that the Washington Post, the Washington Post, like a legitimate uh, list. They didn't have any Stacey Davis Gates or Lori Lightfoot on their list, uh, but she was on their list as well. So I guess great minds think alike. All right. Live stream chat and downloaders, please feel free to weigh in on your thoughts so far on Ben's list. We've gone through five through three. It is now time for number number two. two. Number two is the person I think that Joe Biden will take. Kamala Harris, Senator from California. Uh, as everybody knows, in the summer of, God, seems like ancient history, 2019, I was drinking the Kamala Kool-Aid for a while, D. Remember when the, after the first debate, when she took apart Joe Biden on the issue of busing? I thought, wow, my God, she's effective, she's smart, she's quick on her feet. Uh, she won over lefties in California, so she has the ability to pick up progressives. And then she stumbled. She stumbled on health care for all. She stumbled where, right where Joe Biden stumbled. So here's what you got to do. Pick yourself up and suddenly dust yourself off and say, you know what? I thought it over and I'm for health care for all. Boom. And that's the end of that. So uh, I've, I've always been a fan of Kamala Harris. Oh, God, uh, Sergio Mims and many of our, uh, <laughs> remember Sergio ripping Kamala, remember that when he came on the show? And uh, many of our uh, listeners are not fans of hers. But uh, I do believe she would be effective uh, running mate for Joe Biden. And my guess is he's going to pick her. Number five down, four, three, two, also done. People, it is finally time for our host, Ben Jarofsky, to name mm-hmm. number one. Who's the top vice presidential pick, Ben Jarofsky? <sighs> Another drink of water. <laughs> yeah. Another Stacy, Stacy Abrams, gubernatorial candidate out of uh, governor. I love Stacy Abrams. Um, she's tough. She's progressive. Uh, she's not afraid to back down from a fight. And uh, she did. I thought she ran a very strong campaign. Lost to Brian Kemp. It's true in 2018, but she was a black woman running in Georgia. Uh, and uh, I thought she did a pretty good job of picking up uh, white votes. She's far more in line, I think, with the progressive views and values of myself and many of my listeners, uh, probably more in line than Kamala Harris. Uh, but, you know, that's why I'm saying I don't think Joe Biden will take her. I think she's just a little too left for Joe Biden's taste. Uh, that's why I think Joe Biden will probably take Kamala Harris. But I love her. I've loved her from the moment that I first started listening to her talk. Uh, I love how she's fighting against the voter suppression moves of the Republican Party, one of the most cynical moves the party will ever make. Every now and then they gather a bunch of black people, put them in the White House and say, look at all these black people for uh, Donald Trump. And then meanwhile, they have all their lawyers and their minions trying to make it difficult for black people to vote. So they only like the only black people they want to vote are black people who say they're going to vote for Donald Trump. Everybody else, I'm sorry, you don't get to vote. That's what Wisconsin was all about the other day, folks. It was all about keeping black people from voting. If you think any other way, you're fooling yourself. That's what that whole debacle in Wisconsin was about. So I really appreciate that Stacey Abrams uh, has, is championing the rights of people to vote, particularly black people. So she's my number one choice, Stacey Abrams from Georgia. All right, we're on the right track here. Unlike yesterday's list, we have some positivity going on on the live stream <laughs> chat. Beth weighed in. She said Stacey Abrams is the best choice. I agree with Ben. Oh, there you go. 
Great minds think alike, Beth. It was good. Uh, Radio Doogie weighed in uh, on your number two pick. He put Kamala. Cringe. <laughs> wait, wait, didn't he already say that he's not voting for Joe Biden anyway? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so. Uh, I didn't think I was going to win you over. I would say, Radio Doogie, you're one of the hardcore Bernie supporters that's not going to vote for Joe Biden, and that's the way it's going to be, and kind of respect that, you know? All right, well, if you're listening to this and you heard Ben's list, we would love to hear from you. Uh, Feel free to reach out to us on Facebook and Twitter, at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show. I believe that's now our Instagram handle as well, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show. Reach out to the Ben Jarofsky Show, or if you want, you can send us an email, Benny J Show at gmail.com b-e-n-n-y the letter j show at gmail.com someone who always reaches out to us uh, on our email account is one michael girardi last night i was sitting there washing my hands for the i don't know 50th time last (laughs) night uh and i got an email from uh, michael girardi he reached out to us now he's uh oh my goodness drop my pen he's reached out to us and sent songs to us before we use his songs for some of our uh, bumpers uh for some of our intros and outros and michael we thank you for that but michael reached out to us and sent us a song last night that he wrote the song is called the editorial board and this is a song completely written by michael the lyrics he recorded the vocals, the guitar, the bass, the drums. He's a multifaceted man, this Michael Girardi. Uh, the song is called The Editorial Board, and it's perfect for the Ben Jarofsky show. The song is awesome. As Ben said, uh, channeling a little Neil Young in this song. Uh, we're going to play this for you, everybody, and we're going to go to break. And when we come back, uh, we're going to talk to our good friend Jeff Johnson. Uh, we're going to talk pensions, uh, unions, so many things. So don't go anywhere. But people, you got to hear this song from our friend Michael. Man, this song is incredible. Feel free to weigh in on the live stream chat and uh, send Michael uh, some love because I know he watches and uh, listens to the show on the live stream chat all the time. So here we go, everybody. We're going to break. But Michael Girardi, take us to break with the editorial board. It's the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from Ben's house.
Hell yeah! The guitar, the angry guitar. Reminds me. By the way, you did send me the lyrics, D. I'm trying to find them. They're excellent. Yeah, he sent us the lyrics. If you're in a band or you have an original song that you would like us to play, we'll play it. Don't sue us and watch your mouth. Don't say too many foul words. And we'll play it on the program. Uh, Benny J Show at gmail.com. Can, can I just read a couple of the lyrics here? Yeah, the candidate most likable is somehow not electable. That's the story from the editorial board. We like to sur- save the world when it's under attack, but how are you going to pay for that? That is That just sums it all up, man. Joe, how's he going to pay for it? Well, hey, 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 hasn't told you how's he gonna pay for it? <laughs> you just passed a bill of two trillion dollars. That's T trillion with a T and an R. But uh, somehow or other, we can't afford healthcare. Uh, we'd like to save the world when it's under attack, but how are you gonna pay for that? Uh, now you want to tell. Now we heard what you want to do. Now we'll tell you what's best for you. That's the story from the editorial board. A little tip for the working man: your employers are all our friends. <laughs> That's the story from the editorial board. It's a miracle I've lasted as long as I have. D, God bless the Chicago Reader. Michael Girardi, you just made the list of songs that we play on the Ben Jarofsky Show. Again, you've made it again. That song is incredible. We're going to take a little break here, and when we come back, Union Man and Pension Guru, Double J, Jeff Johnson, will be joining us. It's the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from Ben's house. Check this out. Illinois has recreational cannabis, right? What if you want to feel real good without getting high? And how about ordering it online and getting it right to your door? Well, there's this company, Mineral. They do whole plant hemp oil formulations. It's like CBD, but it's more than CBD. Mineral grows the hemp in Colorado. They formulate the product in Colorado, and they create these organic all-plant formulations for anxiety, stress, inflammation, post-at-home workout, and get this, The sleep one. It's fantastic. So what makes them unique is they actually blend these plant components together. Things that the body has like fats and vitamins that actually increase the absorption and effectiveness. So you actually get to feel the benefit of these formulations. Truly. The guy who founded the company, Mills is his name. He's coming on the show next week and you're going to hear his story. He was in Peru. They tried to take out his colon, but he used cannabis oil to recover instead. I know it sounds trippy, but wait till you hear his story. It's Mineral. It's a beautiful company, beautiful formulations. I love the balance. I love the sleep. It's mineralhealth.co. That's M-I-N-E-R-A-L-H-E-A-L-T-H dot C-O. And if you're listening to this podcast, and I know you are, you want to try their formulations, then use code CHICAGO15. That's Chicago spelled out in the number 15. That's C-H-I-C-A-G-O-1-5. You do that, you'll get 15% off your first order. That's 15%. That's only available for listeners of the podcast. So use that code. Thank you, Mineral, and thank yourselves, too, because you're going to love this stuff. Cannabis without the high. That's correct. I'm giving Ben Jarofsky about a week or two until he starts doing CBD. Watch. <laughs> That's going to be Ben's summer thing, CBD. I'm yeah. calling it right now. Yeah, try that CBD. <laughs> All right, let's call up Jeff Johnson and see if we can get him on the program here. Let's yeah, see if it works. Love the sound of the ringing phone. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're easy to please. Hello. 
Jeff Johnson, union man and pension guru? <laughs> you know it, baby. You're live on the air. What's happening? All right, Jeff Johnson. Uh, I'm living the dream. Living the dream. Are you safe and sound, Jeff? Oh, of course. I, I wouldn't know it any other way. All right, Jeff Johnson comes on the show once a month. Uh, uh, IBEW Local 9, our union man, our pension guru. We talk pension issues. We talk politics. We talk union news. Uh, but also, Jeff Johnson is an employee of the city of Chicago. And in the middle of this virus, it's important to point out that city workers are on the front lines. Uh, there's in Today's Sun-Times, Jeff, there's uh, obituaries for city workers who, who pass. We'll talk about that. But I think I mentioned this to you when I was talking to you earlier. We're doing the show from the attic now, and I'm constantly, you know, I see the garbage trucks coming through the alley, picking up the garbage. They're still working. And Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. exactly. Front line, Jeff. And, uh, I mean, you absolutely have to have your garbage collected. You can't allow garbage to just overflow uh, in your alleys and your, you know, uh, oh, just the safety hazard that would would cause. Just a lot of admiration I have uh, for the employees of the city of Chicago who are on the front lines at this moment. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you're seeing that. I know, uh, the laborers union, uh, had, uh, there was an article in the paper the other day about them coming out about the PPE and some of their protections and which, you know, on a normal day, that's a job that I don't know if you pay me enough to do on a normal day, uh, with, uh, you know, the, you know, just out there in the elements and, uh, you know, what they're exposed to. Um, you know, and, you know, I always say this, if you take care of your city, your city will take care of you. And that's kind of what it got me involved in pensions and uh, union and everything like that. Uh, you have uh, city workers doing a tremendous job. And I, you know, like you've said before, my, my real job is I'm a fire department dispatch uh, for 911. We handle fire and EMS. And for most of our workers, this is just a normal day. You know, it's a Thursday for them. And they have to get up, go to work. And we work in uh, close proximity uh, with each other on the dispatch floor. And, you know, they've done things to kind of spread it out a little bit. And most city crews, same thing. You work in close proximity with a lot of It's just the job, the nature of the job that you do. And for them, it's just another day. You know, you, know, you can only do so much, you know, wash your hands. I always joke, you know, I, I tell a lot of the people, you know, make good choices. And I get weird stares at first. And I'm like, don't lick the keyboard, don't lick the doorknob, you know, wash your hands, you know, we'll get through this. Um, and I say that lighthearted. Yeah. But, you know, it's a matter of, you know, you got jobs that need to get done. It's 911 from the very start from an emergency. The police and fire, you know, paramedics would have to go respond and take care of a person. Um, and I was dispatching the other day, paramedics and uh, firemen were doing CPR on a uh, COVID patient. And, you know, if you know the nature of CPR, you're very close proximity. You're pushing on somebody's ribs and they're expelling, you know, saliva, you know, air. And these are people that are risking their, I say lives, but, you know, they're risking their well-being to save another member, uh, to save another citizen. Mm -hmm. Somebody that they never knew. They had no idea who this person was. They just show up and they do what they're there to do. They do their job. And it's amazing, you know. Um, and then you have, like, city services, right? Mm -hmm. uh, garbage. You're a water department, you know. You need water every day, right? Mm -hmm. um, street lights, making sure that the uh, streets are uh, lit and, you know, that it's safe. 
your park district, making sure that, you know, that the lights are on the parks and, you know, that the buildings are okay and everything like that. Um, it's, you know, it, it's a lot of things, honestly, that people take for granted for city services. Um, and, but it's, you know, the city keeps on going, even if everybody's, uh, in isolation. So it's, uh, you know, it's good to see these city workers out there doing it. And my fear, and this happens, you know, I, we, you see it in every emergency, every kind of, you know, big chaos uh, situation. Oh, everybody applauds the city workers. Oh yeah, it's great. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. And then when that dies down, it goes right back to, uh, you're, you're the overpaid city worker yeah. with the, you know, too high pension. Yeah. And you know, it, it's that zig and zag back and forth. Yeah, no, the, the, yes, cut their pensions. We can't afford their pensions. We can afford, uh, Jeff, yeah. you know, I'm going to go on a riff about Lincoln Yard, so I'll hold back now uh, and I'll, I'll stay focused. Uh, you said a couple of things that I'd love you to, uh, to, to take a little deeper dive on. Number one, you were just talking about uh, doing CPR on a COVID patient. Yeah. Uh, t- what possible precautions uh, can the uh, the emergency rescue worker do to protect him or herself uh, or something like that jesus i don't know you know um there's you know we've you know 911 uh, fire dispatch uh, our local nine members have changed kind of the protocol of you know there's some questions you ask and if you're you know if it's something that is possibly related you know you try and relay that to the the responding fire engine or ambulance hey guys this is possible right mm-hmm. um Myself personally, you know, you know, my personal opinion is I would treat everybody as if they were a possible, yeah. uh, you know, possibly uh, have it, um, which I'm sure they do. Right. So I tell them that's kind of like, oh, yeah, thanks. I just assume somebody did. Um, and so what can you do? I mean, uh, there's this big fight going through the city through PPE with, uh, you know, like, you know, that there's not enough equipment and everything, you know, the, the N95 mask. <laughs> to be honest, I don't know. I just. You know, we're nine one one dispatchers are all EMTs uh, minimum. Some of them are paramedics, so we've gone through the schooling, and most of, most of our workers have experience in the field um, in some way, shape, or form. There's only so much, uh, you know, body substance isolation protocols that you can do. That if you, you know, I was reading uh, the article in the Sun Times by I think it was Mark Brown yeah. about uh, Mount Sinai Hospital. And, you know, you're running these people and you're trying to help them. And, you know, she, uh, the, the one lady, God bless her soul, the nurse, talked about doing CPR in the hospital and how your mask fogs up because you're pushing so hard. You know, you're trying to do, oh, God, I just passed CPR. My, I did my recertification uh, a couple months ago. I think it's uh, 100, 100 compressions um, a minute. Mm-hmm. And so you're doing it kind of hard, pushing down, and you're exerting a lot of energy. And so, you know, and they, I think the nurses have a little bit better equipment, so they're more encapsulated in their own outfits. Paramedics don't have that, though. And so, you know, they have the masks and some, you know, eye goggles and stuff. But you're kind of at the whim of just trying to, and, you know, it's the mentality. And it's that, you know, they, they always say it for firemen, right? When people are rushing out, firemen are rushing in. And it's the same for paramedics in this, you know, example where people are trying to get away from people. And they have to get up close and personal and do CPR um, and do life-saving, uh, you know, measures, knowing that the person they may be trying to help is sick. And, you know, if they're having a seizure, they're coughing, they're spitting, they're doing this. I, you could only do so much. And then you can only try and decon the rig so much and spray it down, Lysol it, all that good stuff. And it's, you know, it's scary for a lot of these members. 
Yeah, by the way, uh, yeah, I read that same article that you did. It was Neil Steinberg who wrote it. It's a series he's doing. Neil. Him. Yeah, Neil Steinberg yeah. in the Sun-Times about Mount Sinai. Yeah, it's an excellent series that he's doing uh, in the Sun-Times, a three-part series, and he's uh, – yeah, those, um, those nurses on the front lines there, once again. Um, I, and I just want to give a shout-out to my dear friend Anna. She was sick. She's a nurse. She's better. And I guess she's going to go back to work. <laughs> a lot of, lot of class. Uh, love you, Anna. Uh, all right. Now, you also mentioned the dispatch floor. Uh, and, yeah. yeah, you're in close proximity. I'm thinking of air traffic controllers when you were saying that. How Think about an oh, air traffic controller, how close you are. Uh, so how yeah. can you protect yourselves in, in that instance? Uh, my stock answer, don't lick the keyboards, uh, <laughs> wash your hands, you know, uh, don't lick the doorknobs. Yeah. Um, no, uh, the OEMC has done a great job, right? Uh, this building, the OEMC is probably, and I say this, like I said, jokingly, uh, the building's probably cleaner, uh, than it, since it opened in 1995. Uh, there's cleaning crews, uh, cleaning crews coming through. They're cleaning your stations and, you know, they're trying to clean all the, uh, general areas. You know, the, the reality of it is, though, this is a job that you got hired to do. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a job that you dedicated your life to. And you show up and you do your job the best way you can. Uh, you know, our dispatchers uh, for fire and EMS, I, you know, I always joke, I go, you know, we're responsible from Juneway Terrace to 138th State Line Road all the way out to O'Hare, including O'Hare. 232 square miles of uh, streets, 99 firehouses, uh, you know, or 101 firehouses with 99 engines. 61 trucks, you know, 80-something ambulances. Um, this is our time to shine. You know, this is our time to take care of the city when it needs us. And so the members uh, have a, or not a responsibility, but, you know, it's kind of a pride thing. We show up, we do our jobs, and, you know, we're in close proximity. You try and wipe down. Uh, you know, you keep, you know, informing the members, don't touch your face, don't, uh, you know, share things like you normally would. And so there's been some, you know, and to be honest, it was probably needed, right? We've gotten extra days ago, I think the general public has. You know, if you were sick, you'd kind of come to work sometimes because you'd tough it out, right? You did't want to take off the day. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's what sick time is for. If you're sick, stay home. If you're healthy, come to work and do your job. And, you know, it's just something that, uh, you know, it's, it's really, you know, you see, I, I try to see the pros and things. Um, and, you know, you have people in their lives that are worried. I know... Many of my coworkers uh, have elderly parents. Some people live with their, you know, elderly parents, young children, and they're worried about going to work and maybe somebody gets sick and then they take it home. Yeah. And it's a risk that they take every day. It's the same thing, you know, even, you know, with the uh, paramedics, police, firemen, you know, it's that risk of well, what am I going to take home to my family? And, but you still, you show up, you do your job. And it's, it's amazing to see, you know, it's that Mr. Rogers quote that I've used a couple times, you know, in, when it, in times of chaos or kinds of, uh, times of, uh, whatever the exact quote is, but look for the heroes. There's always there. There's always people trying to help people. And those are the ones you want to look at right now. Well, I want to give a shout out uh, to firefighters, firefighters on the edge after first coronavirus death in their ranks. Uh, Jeff, this is a headline in the Suntime story A fire yeah. firefighter, uh, Mario Araju, 49 years old, died Thursday. Uh, he spent his 19-year career at a firehouse in Rogers Park. His co-workers gathered outside the firehouse to talk about him. Uh, he was healthy and seemingly had no underlying conditions, they said. Quote, he was just a great guy. For all of us here, this is a big loss. We're like a big family, so we're not taking it well. We're trying to get through it. 
And uh, did you know him, Jeff, at all? Did you know him? No, no. I, I know the firehouse, I know the shift he's on. I know the battalion chief up there. Uh, 102 is all the way it's to the northern border. I always say Junway Terrace. Mm-hmm. It's the firehouse that goes all the way to Evanston border. Um, there, it's a busy firehouse, and I know people that have. Uh, I've talked to a couple of people in the last day or so that knew him and said he was a good fireman. And you know, and that, the one thing about firemen is. They are your, how do I say this nicely? Because I know there's firemen that listen to this because I hear from them. How do I say this nicely? Uh, they're a close-knit family, yeah. right? Uh, when they're together, they will fight with each other like like siblings yeah. together. When there's a common enemy outside, they band together like a band of brothers. And, you know, they may be fighting with somebody over what TV channel or what somebody did on a run. And, you know, they will nitpick each other like little boys fighting each other. But when there's another, when there's an outside enemy, when there's a true emergency, a fire, a, you know, ambulance run, and they band together. And that's where in times like this, they get tighter knit than any other department that I really know. And, you know, and it's just that culture that's been, you know, how, you know, they live together, they eat together. And, you know, it's amazing, you know, um, how they band together and take care of each other. And, you know, it, it, I say that like for firemen, they take care of each other, but we've had four city worker deaths so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first city worker was uh, Department of Finance. Uh, the second one was the police officer. Uh, third one was a fireman. And then the fourth one was uh, Ryan Kelly's, uh, one of Ryan Kelly's guy from Fleet. Uh, David Velez. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And this is affecting all departments. And, you know, it's just. And, you know, the somber reality of it is, you know, I, I, you know, dealing with my children talking about it. I go, you know, when with this first started, I go, you're going to know people that get this. You're going to know people that probably had it. And hopefully you don't know anybody that really suffers the serious consequence. But with a workforce of 35,000, you know, the odds are there that this is going to hurt people. And, you know, you're just trying to do everything now to mitigate how bad this really is. I want to give a shout out. David Velez was his name. He's 64 years old. And there was a story in the Sun-Times about him, uh, uh, Jeff. And yes, our old friend Ryan Kelly was quoted. David Velez, 64, died Tuesday. He roamed Chicago maintaining or repairing city-owned buildings, according to Ryan Kelly, business rep at Machinist Union, Union Local 126. Quote, they work on buildings from your run-of-the-mill police station, fire stations, office buildings, right up into the halls of government at City Hall. They're traveling all over the city. They scour and cover every inch of government, Ryan Kelly said. He was a beloved father, a family man, and a great union man, a larger-than-life Navy veteran who enjoyed spending time at his family farm in Tennessee. David Velez died at age 64 because of the coronavirus. Yes, so on the front lines, doing all kinds of things, uh, Jeff. They can't, exactly. So, uh, they can't retreat to their attic like I have. They don't. They can't. <laughs> no, I know. You know, and that's what you know what I mean. You know, I, I just rattled off 101 fire stations. You know, you throw in the police stations. You throw in other uh, Department of Health buildings. You throw in, uh, you know, 24th and Western streetlights, uh, garbage facilities. Um, you throw in all these city facilities and. I, I used to know the total number of city buildings, and it's escaped me right now. Um, but and the people coming in and out, and I know they've done more uh, cleaning and stuff like that. But you know, you never know what who you're following in or whatnot. And so it's just like that for every city facility right now. And 
yeah, it's an interesting time. And let me, uh, I don't want to get you in trouble. So what I'm about to say are the views and opinions of Ben, not Jeff, but uh, talking about firefighters. I okay. know, but when you're talking about firefighters and we're going to be talking about pensions, I recall in the early days of Rahm's uh, tenure, the first term, he was going to firehouses <laughs> yeah. and he would tell firefighters, I wrote about this. This really irritated me. This is when the Democrats mm. were drinking that anti-pension Kool-Aid. It, it lasted mm -hmm. for like five years. They finally stopped drinking it when the courts ruled against them. But he would go to firehouses mm -hmm. and he would tell the firefighters, I have no choice. I'm going to have to cut your pensions. He, I remember he, he always made sure he had some security detail with him just, <laughs> just in case. It wasn't like he just wandered, but he would walk in. He would say this stuff. I'm sorry. Mr. Tough Guy would say it to the firefighters. And I remember my, my good friend Sam Holloway, one of the firefighters, stood up to him one day. You do have a choice. You know, you could like uh, mm -hmm. do a board of trade uh, uh, tax on LaSalle Street. You could do that. That could. And Ron would look at yeah. him like, yeah, well, you're a good thing you're. When you're mayor, you can do that. The point is, uh, at this moment, people may be feeling favorable toward city workers, uh, Jeff Johnson, because they are on the front lines and they are putting themselves, their lives at risk and their families' lives at risk by going to their jobs, uh, not retreating to their attics like I have. Uh, but then when the the problem is when the pandemic passes and God willing, it will pass. We go back to the old days. Oh, they're getting too much yeah. money in their pensions. Oh, my property taxes. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying, Jeff Johnson? Oh, yeah. And I think the exact quote, because uh, he stopped in engine 42's house at 55 West Illinois. And I think the exact quote was, it's like we have a knife. And we both run we run into a double edged knife, and we're both going to walk away with blood on our hands. Was the exact quote that Rom had said about how, you know, you're going to get cut, I'm going to get cut. You know, we both give was the exact uh, kind of analogy that he was trying, uh, attempting to relay. That didn't really come across too well to yeah. a lot of the members. Um, but no, you're already seeing it, right? Uh, you know, I you know, know a lot of the media folks and, you know, a lot of them have reached out to me, you know, with the stock market. We all know the stock market's kind of taking a, a nosedive, although it's been up recently. Um, but it's like, all right, what's this going to do to the pensions? What's this going to do to the budget? I'm like, well, number one, we are a long-term investor. Uh, you know, we're making decisions now as a board that probably a lot of us won't even be on the board to see the, uh, you know, benefits of it down the road. Mm -hmm. And you're seeing some of the other media entities that have started recently, and I'm not even going to use their names because, God, I'm not going to give them free press. Yeah. Um, but the ones that are trying to capitalize on, see, this is why pensions are bad. Look at what the stock market's doing. See, they're unsustainable. And you're seeing kind of like a soft point there where they're attempting to try and, you know, knock down the sentiment that pensions are, you know, like this is what people donate their, they are not donate, but this is what people work their entire lives for. They're showing up to work right now for a pension. And they're attempting to, you know, knock down pension obligation bonds. They're, they're attempting to say that there shouldn't be any government uh, help with pensions and how bad we're taking it. And they're, they're attempting to say that cities shouldn't get bailed out because they know that ultimately it's a whole, you know, we're all, we're in this together. Pension funds, cities, even though we're different per se entities, but you know we're in this together. And if uh, you know a city gets some type of uh, you know subsidy from the federal government, it's going to alleviate the budget issues that for them to make their pension payments. 
And you're, you're seeing these entities out there trying to knock that already. They're trying to get ahead of the curve. And, you know, we all know it's just them, you know, trying to push their agenda. And so, you know, and, and like you said, in five months from now, it's going to be the same thing. See, pensions underperform. See, they're overpaid. See this, see that. And, you know, it, it's, it's something that I've just come to deal with. You know, every time, you know, uh, the new police chief that they hired uh, in Dallas, I think it was five Dallas police officers got uh, slaughtered the one day. Yeah. And, you know, there was sediment that, oh, God, these police officers, they gave their lives. And it's like, all right, that's why, you know, they, you know, they put their lives on the risk for these very, you know, these very incidents. And then two months later, it's like, ah, you know, you're overpaid. You shouldn't have a pension. And it's, uh, you know, that goldfish memory that most people have. And it's whatever's in front of them at the, that current moment with the shiny, you know, uh, you know, the shiny object issue. Uh, So, I mean, you know, ultimately pensions are long-term investors. This is going to be a blip. Now, I tell the reporters, I got 16.6% uh, last year. I say I got, but the pension fund got 16.6% last year return. You weren't calling me asking me about returns then. Why are you calling me if we're down, you know, 6 or 8% now? You know, the year's not even, the year's a quarter over with. Yeah. What was your response and, and, when you asked them that? Oh, but, but, but don't you think that this can have an impact? And, like, you know, you, can, like, you know, if you deal with the media long enough, you know the angle that they're going at right off the bat. And if you pick up on it, like, no, I'm not going to feed into it. And then for some odd reason, you're never quoted in their stories. And stuff. Yeah, I I have a different attitude about pensions uh, than most. Uh, when I First of all, I see where, uh, where my dollars go, my property tax dollars or my uh, t- taxes to the feds and the state. And the pension's the least of it. So it's probably got the best bang for the buck. Because in the case of the city of Chicago, and I've made this argument many times, I don't want to get into a pension argument at this moment, but I just have to say this. Uh, most of your city workers live in the city of Chicago. You are directly investing in the city of Chicago. You're taking your property taxes and putting it in a Chicago neighborhood. I can make an argument, Jeff Johnson, that it has uh, a positive reverberation for the entire economy in the city of Chicago. Like, it's, it's, Did you see that? Oh, obviously, you saw it because you're a very uh, keen individual. Uh, the store, uh, the uh, op-ed or the editorial in the Sun Times today. Uh, today's Sun Times. Which one? Which one are you talking about? I have it right here uh, in front of me. I'm talking about the one. Yeah, about uh, why you shouldn't cut city services right now. Oh yeah, I saw that. Yes, slashing city spending would yeah. be inane. I would say insane. Yeah. They left the, the s out of uh, that word uh, inane. Yes. Well, yeah. Whatever. I'll go on the record. Whatever idiot. Uh, that, you know, said that, uh, that maybe suggested that. And, you know, it, it, it's, uh, you know, it's a good talking point right now as far as like, oh, you know, city budget is going to get screwed. You should lay off people. No. Hey, uh, you know, we have, re- there's residency requirements for our city workers. So you have 32,000 uh, workers that have to live in city boundaries. And now you're looking at that. And Bob Bruno did a study, and I want him to update it. And I actually uh, I reached out to him recently to update the study. Mm-hmm. But what he said was every dollar paid to a city worker, 87 cents of that stays in the city of Chicago. It churns, and it creates more money on that original dollar investment with 87 cents staying there. And then, you know, you, you go to your neighborhood jewel. You buy money there. That neighborhood jewel puts a... Uh, local uh, uh, person to work, yeah. and the money just stays in the community. And the same thing for our retirees. 
Uh, we have a higher number of retirees than most of the other funds that still live in the city of Chicago. Hover's right around 90% of retirees. And we have 29,000 retirees that every pension check they get, they spend in the community. They spend in the store. They spend, I will say before this happened, uh, taking their wife or husband out to dinner, uh, going to see a movie. And that money stays in the neighborhood. The best thing you can do is make sure that the city workers are, you know, still working and put that money to work in the economy. The worst thing you can do is start laying off city workers or start, you know, cutting in other ways, shapes, or forms because they're not going to spend money. And that's going to hurt the economy even more. And part of me thinks that the people that recommended this know that. And the people that recommend this thrive off of chaos because it's the whole never let a crisis go to waste. So, so if you could cut if you can cut the size of city government, or if you can cut the size of a pension, oh, this is a crisis you're going to need to just drive that home. But the, there's a good reason you should be concerned about that, uh, Jeff, because the last time we were in a uh, crisis like this was 2010, 2011, and that's exactly what the powers that be in the state and the city were advocating. That was the. That's when that pension talk kicked in the gear. That's when uh, Mayor Rahm was proposing pension cuts throughout the the throughout the city for city workers. That's when the Dems, like oh, yeah. I said, they drank that Kool Aid. They started playing the game. And this this is me talking. This is not Jeff Johnson. I want to get him in trouble. But whenever Democrats start pretending they're Republicans, it hurts them politically, and it also hurts the it, it hurts the country. It hurts the city. Do you follow what I'm saying? Well, for example, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just look at, look at governor Quinn. Yes. That's who I was thinking. Governor Quinn. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's your poster child for that exact example. He was like the one that pushed the uh, pension cuts and look what happened with him. He got elected out of office and a lot of union members voted for Bruce Rana. Now today, if you ask them, they will, they, they didn't vote. They will uh, turn into a uh, Helen Keller. I don't understand your question. But a lot of them were so pissed off at fucking uh, at uh, at uh, Quinn yeah. that they they voted for Ronner. And like I said, that pisses me off. Yeah. And we we know that happened, but you know, um, and there's always that delay effect, right? So the the financial crisis, the global financial crisis, happened in 2008. So you saw the constraints on the budget the next year, basically 2009, 2010. And then you saw some givebacks from the active employees. Like, you know, every, you know, municipalities, states all came to their workers. Hey, uh, we're having budget problems. We need cuts. Mm-hmm. And then, it, well, that wasn't enough. They needed something from retirees. Then they went after the retirees and they were warned 10 times over that that's probably not going to fly. And, you know, and ultimately that ended up getting shot down because of the Illinois state constitution. And one of the the best lines of when they shot all that down was about uh, in in a moment in crisis. You know, um, it's not a, uh, hold on here, let me pull up here, go to the tail of the tape here. Um, That it's not a moment to abandon, um, the rule of law. Mm-hmm. There you go. I'll read it right now. Crisis is not an excuse to abandon the rule of law. It is a it is a summons to defend it. 
How we respond is the measure of our commitment to the principles of justice we are sworn to uphold. And that was from the uh, Chicago pension case. Yeah. That you just can't you just can't say there's a crisis and try and cut things and get rid of things. You know, if, if anything, you know, it's the time to buckle down and make sure that those commitments are made. And I think on cutting pensions for our retirees, I think that that point's kind of been driven home. Yeah. And I think that most people get that. Um, and so you can just try and work for that and, you know, fight for the members, you know, to make sure that they are guaranteed or they get what they're guaranteed. Uh, Jeff, before I ask you any more questions about pensions and politics, a quick question from one of our listeners. Uh, she wrote in, Brianna asks, uh, has Jeff heard anything about potential hazard pay for first responders? That's a question from one of our listeners. Have you heard anything about? I know. <laughs> Go ahead. It's been discussed on a federal level. Um, and, you know, I know it's been discussed. Like, I think Chuck Schumer said something about $25,000. And he may have just thrown a number out off the top of his head. Um, so I don't know the validity to that. Uh, it's something that has been discussed loosely uh, in that level. I've not heard anything on a city level. And, you know, I know that there's been, like, if you, like, if you were to say, like, the city should do it, I'm a little concerned, like, just, like city financials. As you know, I was at the Pen- or, uh, today I was at the Pension Fund. And I was driving downtown. The first time I've been down there in a while. Mm-hmm. And it literally, it's a ghost town. So, like, on a finance level, if the city was going to do it, I'd be a little, like, if it's coming out of the city aspect. But we know that FEMA is, you know, going to reimburse on a lot of these costs. And so I think, you know, with the uh, first responders and people, and then you, you go down a rabbit hole for first responders to hell at Jewel to other workers working. I think that's something that the federal government can include in a stimulus package. And so that's what I'm hopeful with uh, Senator uh, Schumer kind of bringing that up. And, you know, like I said, I don't think 25,000, that may have been like just the first thrown out number, but I think that you will see some traction to that. But it's going to be, you're going to have to have, you know, where there's large clusters of first responders like your metropolitan cities, you're in New York, where Schumer's from, you're Chicago, you're L.A., Houston, you know, your, your populous cities are going to need their states or their, um, their uh, U.S. senators to kind of step up and uh, pull that uh, wagon across the line because, you know, and I, to be quite honest, I think it's deserved for people out there dealing with things now, too. Oh, absolutely. Firefighters and cops, are you kidding me? Uh Emergency medical workers. I guys say garbage men. I mean, well, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Any, anybody, anybody working now. Yeah, you wait. You know, you, you left your home, and then you know you always get into that whole. It's supposed to be a fourteen day quarantine if you've been around somebody or whatever. And I know CDC just relaxed rules late last night, but every day you go home, you have to be worried about your family that you know you come in contact with. And then every day you go to work, it's resetting that whole like, well, you know, that fourteen day quarantine. And, you know, ah, you know, that's just a scary sight for a lot of people. Uh, Jeff, I got to get you to take off your pension hat for a moment, put on your political hat. And uh, I, as you know, I voted for Bernie Sanders. I was a Bernie Sanders supporter. I was hoping that he would be the nominee. And as you also know, it didn't work out that way for me and many of Bernie Sanders supporters as well. 
Uh, Bernie dropped out yesterday, and I was just having so much fun with this. All the editorials praising Bernie. Where were those editorials when Bernie could have used their support? Uh, but whatever, that's how it goes. You know, now that he's not running, everybody loves him. Uh, what's your sense about things uh, with the Democrats now that uh, Bernie's out of the race? Joe Biden looks like he's definitely going to be the nominee. Uh, what do you think Joe Biden should do, in your humble opinion, to be victorious? Um, full disclosure, I had a beer with Bernie Sanders uh, at a Alderman Sue Garza event a few years ago. What was he drinking? Uh, Karen, Lewis, Karen Lewis was there. Oh, he was drinking American. That was the one that, that one specific uh, comment I remember when he said to the bartender, I'll take anything American. <laughs> all, I can think, all I can think of is, here's a politician. Um, <laughs> and, you know, uh, Karen Lewis was there, and it was a good uh, good event down on the southeast side for Sue Garza. Uh-huh. Um, and so, yeah, so having said that, full disclosure, I like Bernie. I think Bernie's time was four years ago, though. Uh, just it missed that kind of like, you know, how a roller coaster goes up and it catches the traction and pulls him up. Mm-hmm. Four years ago, had he gotten it, he would have uh, probably won. Yeah. Um, but, man. Anyway, um, so with Biden, I think it's going to be interesting, you know. And given what's going on right now, uh, you can't attack the sitting president on how he's handling uh, this, you know, crisis right now. All right? Politics 101, right? Um, you can't really go after him. And so Biden's in a very tricky spot politically. In the fact that, you know, he may disagree and there may, there may be some points right now to like, oh, you know, whatever you think, like, you know, politics, you know, Trump's screwing this up, Trump's screwing that up, he should do this better, he should do that. But he can't come out and publicly campaign against it because, you know, oh, people are dying, you shouldn't be turning this into a political event. So how it depends how long this goes is a matter of how long, you know, once it's over and everybody's like healthy and this isn't an issue, then you could turn it into a political issue. And then it's gloves are off. You should have done this. You should have done that. Well, so yeah, it's a very tricky spot to be in right now. Well, let me uh, uh, respectfully disagree with you. We'll have this conversation the next time you come on. I think all the those are the conventional rules that you just laid out that have existed forever in American politics. Donald Trump ripped up that rule book in 2016 when he ran. He ripped Obama uh, when the Ebola crisis happened, uh, and uh, so he tried to turn everything the Democrats were doing into a crisis. And look, it worked for him. So I think the Democrats should surely consider the old rule book that governed how politics operates, where you always you're always respectful of the president. They're, the president is not very respectful of Democrats. Uh, yeah, he's not. But I, you know, it, it, it's the you know I always say you know when the one party's out, they yell and scream that what the what the party in is doing is wrong. He shouldn't do that. She shouldn't do that. <laughs> and then when they get in. They're like, this is kind of nice. And then they start doing what they were wagging their finger about previously. And then the other party does it to them. So if, you know, if Biden starts to attack him, right, comes out tomorrow and says the the federal government's been a disaster. They should be more hands on with the local, with states. And they they should take the lead in this versus letting, delegating it to the state. Trump is going to throw, President Trump is going to throw his hands up and go, guys, guys. You're attacking me during this crisis? Yeah. 
I, I am trying to do the best I can, and you're going to turn this into a political you know, issue? Shame on you. Uh, and I, then the public's going to the public's gonna be like, oh, yeah, Jesus, you're turning this into a political issue? Why, why are you attacking them about this? People are dying. Don't you know that? All right, we'll have this conversation the next time you're coming on. Who's your pick? Who do you think he's going to pick? Let's get a prediction from you. Uh, who do you think he should pick, and who do you think he will pick for vice president, Joe Biden? Who do you think? Oh, dude, yeah. I, I said on your show last month, previous month, uh, Kamala Harris. Yeah. I, that, yeah I, I'm a betting – well, I've been known to be a betting man at times. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I would put money on that. Yeah. <laughs> he's been known what to – What about be- you? Well, I, I, put, I made the same prediction today already. I think uh, he will pick Kamala Harris. Oh, just today? Yeah. Oh, you're, you're jumping in on the bandwagon. I, see, I'm, I'm driving the horse. You're jumping in the cart. I'm a little – what's that, D? Number one was Stacey Abrams. Oh, yeah. Well, my personal pick uh, was Stacey Abrams, but I my uh, if I had to put money in Vegas pick, I would say he would take Kamala Harris. So uh, I would yeah. – I would. that's my, um, my money in Vegas pick. Uh, he would take Kamala Harris. All right, Jeff Johnson. Hey, but- Go ahead. What were you going to say? I cut go you ahead. off. No, no, all good, man. All, all right, good. very good. I was just going to say uh, stay safe, stay sound, wear your mask, uh, stay six feet away from your coworkers at the dispatch center. We want to keep having you come back on the show, all right? Hey, make, make good choices. Don't look key, uh, keyboards. Don't look the doorknobs. Don't look the handrails on the CTA. Very good. Good advice. And wash, and wash your hands. At words to live by from Jeff Johnson. Thank you very much, Jeff Johnson. Uh, Jeff Johnson, IBEW Local Nine. Union and your man. thumbs. Wash your thumbs. Yeah, watch, wash your thumbs. You can easily for next time you wash your hands. Notice how you kind of forget your thumbs sometimes. Wash yeah. them thumbs. Wash the thumbs. Uh, good advice. Wait, hold on. Oh, okay. I see. Uh, I see a sign language lady. Yep. Uh, JB Pritzker's giving a speech. Actually, let's uh, let's go in live. Let's uh, to the sign language person. Let's go in live here. Let's listen. That's a sign language joke. Uh, he's got a billion. I'm going to be at Zany's, uh, uh, Dr. D. Anyway, I want to thank Jeff Johnson for coming. You can't on. hear him. They're doing sign language. Yeah, you get it? We got the joke. Uh, I want to thank Jeff Johnson. Did a great job as always. I want to thank uh, Michael Girardi. Excellent song, uh, Rockin' and a Rollin'. Uh, the editorial board song, man. Putting down editorial boards everywhere. Although I actually saw those on editorial list sometimes agreed with today. We'll have the editorial board uh, play us out. How about <laughs> we'll that, have, huh? That's a great idea. And, of course, I want to thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of joy of Alton, Illinois, without whom this show would not be possible. You should see him behind that board. <laughs> Wheeling and dealing. Man, it's not that impressive. And, of course, as you all know, ladies and gentlemen, back home in Alton, they call him White Lightning. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. And remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows and Benny J bonus interviews at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcast.
correct. Now we'll tell you what's best for you. That's correct. Play the radio. Make sure the television, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night. The, the, the phone. Make sure the kids hear words. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.